All right, well, I guess we'll get rolling here. So this is this is Ryan with Pendleton Outfitters, and I've got my, my friends, the Plunkets, here visiting with me today. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> you bet. So since you guys aren't native to Pendleton, I've got you, I have to put you right on the spot with this first question. Have you done the underground tours yet? No. Oh, no. <laughs> neither have I. Neither, okay. Yeah, neither of us have. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get you down there. We're going to sign you up right away. <laughs> it's essential. No, it's it's really cool, though. You guys should definitely check it out. I feel like that's uh, definitely an underrated tourist attraction in the area. And I guess a lot of people know about it, but I'm surprised with the store how many people have had no idea. And so I try to point them in that direction. Yeah, we definitely has been on our list for... <laughs> two years now <laughs> yeah sure. we drive by the signs every day but we do done. yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's fun you should definitely check it out but mm-hmm. where are you folks from originally so i'm originally from just outside of salem uh born and raised uh between turner romsville salem that area if you're familiar with it actually i was born in pendleton but most of my childhood was between pendleton and salem so yeah we weren't far apart it sounds like um, but Rachel's, go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm the out-of-stater, so I grew up mostly in Florida and then moved to Arizona later in my childhood. Mm. So I've lived a lot of places, though, but moved here from Arizona. So we both did. But. Yeah. <laughs> Are you able to share with us what made Pendleton the landing spot? Camden. <laughs> yeah, so Camden, it's, a, it's a little bit of a long story here. So oh, I, was in, <laughs> I was in grad school in Boulder. Uh, doing atmospheric science for a master's degree and decided that I wanted to get a job in forecasting. So first job I got was in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, Moved up there in the middle of winter. Oh, that just sounds like winter year round. It was horrible. It was was until the summer hit and then it was 100 degrees. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And hot and humid. Um, But yeah, wintertime. Couldn't have guessed that we were going to go to North Dakota, but ended up, you know, right in the middle of COVID. Uh, that hit, so then, well, got laid off. As, I should note, this was right after we got married. <laughs> as many people did. Yes, this was, this was less than a month after we got married, yeah. we moved to North Dakota. Um, that wasn't on the docket before. It was not. It was wasn't. not in the plan. <laughs> But so got laid off, uh, had to move back to Arizona with family um, while I was looking for other jobs mm-hmm. in meteorology. So eventually landed the job in Pendleton uh, after a couple interviews and said, hey, this is fantastic. I'm from Oregon. I like Eastern Oregon. So you'd so, been somewhat familiar with Eastern Oregon before the move or? Somewhat familiar, uh, <laughs> mainly just in passing, though, just family trips when I was younger used to come out, went out over to, you know, the Wallowas, um, Painted Hills, and sure. multiple times. Okay, nice. And so um, Pendleton's been the landing spot. How do you feel about it so far? Well, I like it so far. Yeah, I think we really like it. I mean, we both um, have jobs in our field, but also have just really been enjoying all of the opportunities for us landscape photography-wise, hiking-wise, outdoors-wise. It just has a lot of what we were looking for. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. Cause the, ne- what I wanted to ask you was to, I mean, something we're obviously excited to talk with you about today is, 
Um, can you define what an adventure couple is? <laughs> <laughs> it's in our bio, so you'd think we'd be able to. <laughs> um, well, I'd say it's just obviously two two people, two partners who just enjoy sharing adventures together, be that traveling, outdoors, or otherwise. And we met with a mutual connection that we both loved hiking. So we started hiking together back in college when we were just friends. Uh, and then we started dating. So hiking is kind of what brought us together. And we've always just loved sharing a mutual love of the outdoors together. I love that. So it's kind of rooted in your relationship that the nature connection kind of brought you together, huh? It really is. Yeah, we got engaged on a hiking trail. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are you able to share like, so... How do, were you doing like a hiking club or you just happened to meet on a trail or how did that happen? Um, so we were both in the same program at our university. So I know Camden shared he was a meteorology major. And at one point I was too, um, before I switched over to doing more ecology uh, and wildlife stuff. And so we were both doing meteorology together and ended up just meeting because we had mutual friends. It was a very small program, not that many students. And so it was kind of inevitable that we became friends or at least got to know each other um, and eventually discovered that we both liked hiking and just started going together as partners. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And obviously you hit it off. So that we did. <laughs> super cool. Um, when uh, looking back to maybe being like new residents in an area, how do you start to dissect and pick apart, like, where are we going to go? What do we want to do? Um, this, you know, kind of blank canvas of Eastern Oregon, I guess, for you when you moved here. Yeah, well, I think Camden knew the area a little bit more than I did. So he had more ideas that we kind of moved here, um, starting off with, like, for example, going over to the Wallawas or the John Day area, he knew of those areas. And mm -hmm. so we were able to, to kind of already have that list of like, okay, these are places that we want to go and want to explore. And I think over time, I mean, we've been together for multiple years now, we've kind of somehow set up the same routine where Camden is usually the one who's researching the hikes and the destinations. And I'm usually the one who's finding the campsites and the spots that we're going to stay. So nice. we, we have going. a good system going there. So it's usually what happens. <laughs> I'm thinking about myself and I think that sometimes like the the, the barrier to entry on going on a trip for a weekend is just like, oh my gosh, I got to, I got to plan all these things. I got to pack all the stuff. I got to do the shopping. And so the fact that you can share that probably <laughs> keeps the ball rolling a little bit. Is that fair? It does. Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And so you kind of had some usual suspects, some areas you were familiar with. Have you expanded your, your options quite a bit since then? Or do you feel like you just kind of routinely like to hit the same few places? Well, it does depend on how many days off you have. <laughs> That's how far you can go. Work life, huh? Yeah, if it's a two-day weekend versus a three-day weekend versus taking some time off work since so many areas like even southeast Oregon, you know, that's best spent on a three-day weekend or, or even longer going down to the Steens. But yeah, we've hit multiple spots multiple times. We'll allow us. Uh, we've gone to Hell's Canyon multiple times. Sure. Gone down and painted hills multiple times. So we we've got our our spots that we routinely go to, but we're trying to expand more and more. 
We are, yeah, trying to expand to more places. And I think we've gotten much more into being spontaneous at times. Mm. We'll kind of just pick an area that we want to go and figure it out as we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just end up where we end up. And of course, you know, be smart about it. Like we have guides, we have maps, we have a little GPS unit. Um, you know, yeah. we make sure we're prepared and not going to accidentally get stuck in a situation we can't get out of. But sure. We do really enjoy just kind of going to an area, seeing what is available to us, and then kind of just picking what we want to do, what we would enjoy. Mm -hmm. And obviously, yeah, your comfort level probably expands just with time and experience of being in the outdoors. And um, so when you describe that, do you mean like you, you leave trails and you just kind of like push into wide open areas you just say we're going to go see what this hillside looks like hike over there or what's the process look like for you when you're out and doing it um so I think that's more of just uh picking an area to go like drive to like yeah. say um this weekend we know we want to go to the bend area but we don't know exactly what we're going to do there yet so mm. we'll just formulate a plan that gets us to a campground or a free BLM site for the night and then go from there with the next day, research the trails in the area that are available to us, um, and then pick as we go. Um, kind of kind of like that, I would say. And we definitely focus on scenery, being in landscape photography. That's yeah. something we have to kind of pay attention to. Um, as much as we love intimate forest hikes, like if it has a viewpoint or a waterfall or something very photogenic, we're, we're definitely interested in that. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to dive into that a little bit with the, the nature photography. So um, first off, I guess, how did that come to be from your outdoor experience? Were, were you always taking pictures and, and eating it up and it just it was time to kind of share that or, or upgrade the camera equipment or... Yeah, exactly. So I started hiking fresh out of high school. So it's been 11 years now. Uh, always took my phone with me and was taking photos everywhere I went. So at that time, it was the Cascades. Yeah. But expanded to Arizona for undergrad, Colorado for grad school. Uh, and somewhere along the line, I said, okay. I want to get a dedicated camera because my phone camera is just not cutting it anymore. <laughs> They're getting really good anymore, but <laughs> for professional photography, not quite still. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, five years ago when I got my first camera, I think it was, yeah, cell phone cameras have come a long ways in even five years. But, oh yeah. But yeah, for something that was going to last for memories and to potentially get into photography to sell down the road or just for keepsakes yeah yeah kind of necessary to upgrade to a bigger camera <laughs> real quick can you share us just where we can find some of your photography and then we'll keep rolling just because when i earlier today my wife i was showing her some of the pictures and just saying these are the folks i'm going to be visiting with and she was like i'm sure the same answer everybody gets that looks amazing i want to go there <laughs> um but where can we find some of these pictures um, so we have a couple Instagram accounts and I, I assume that's what you mean. Like where online yeah, can totally. find our photos. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so we have our main Instagram account is our wandering Plunkett's account. And that's just at wandering Plunkett's on Instagram. And then I have a personal one that's at wandering Rachel. And then Camden has a personal one as well. Um, is it, what is your handle? 
Your I believe it's handle. Camden Plunkett photography. <laughs> you have a period in there somewhere, though. But if, yeah. so, if you go, <laughs> if you go onto our at Wandering Plunkett's Instagram, we have this wonderful little thing called a link tree. And so, if you click on our link uh, that is in our bio, it has a link for Camden's Instagram account, my own Instagram account. It also has a link for our YouTube if you want to see some of our like videos of just our adventures in action. And then we also have a website as well with like a little photo gallery that, that you can find our, our photos there mm-hmm. also. So that's probably the easiest is going into the link in our bio and, and you'll be able to see all of the social accounts that we have where totally. our photos are. Yeah. If you're on the platforms, it's kind of easy to find the interconnectedness now. So it is, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you feel like was the motivation for sharing, you know, the content and the imagery and stuff with with folks? Well, I'd say it started in in 2020, like when Camden mentioned, um, you know, he got laid off and everything. We had just more time on our hands. And so he started an Instagram account. And at that point, I'd always had an Instagram account. I enjoyed the app that it was kind of like an app for photography. I didn't have a camera at that time, though, just my phone. Um, And so him starting his own Instagram account for his photography kind of inspired me to to make a public account of my own. Um, And it it just kind of took off. I made connections online. I was, you know, meeting like-minded people. I was just really enjoying sharing the love of the outdoors. And then it was a couple years down the road, we decided, hey, why don't we have a joint account? Um, And so that's kind of where... That's I guess how Wandering Plunkets was born is we were like, we should we should be doing this as a as a mutual thing um, with an idea that we would do like YouTube videos and short form videos and also the the photography since that's kind of what started it all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love to see the stuff you guys are putting up there. And mm-hmm. I also just wanted to mention that I think it's really interesting how obviously COVID changed so many things, but it seems like this is a good situation where maybe you guys got to take a step back and evaluate maybe things that you wanted to spend some more time on, um, pursue some stuff that you were interested in. And it seems like it's worked out well for you. So yeah, it definitely has. And it's just so much fun being able to share our love of adventure and exploring and stuff like that with everyone else. It's just nice. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're still settling into the community and stuff, but I feel like, um, there's a lot of people that are really going to love seeing your work if they haven't already. And, um, you know, hopefully as the days go forward here, I feel like there's just this growing interest of our nature connections. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm just glad to see you guys are doing that and, you know, glad to see you're in the area bringing that forward. And, um, what are some things that you feel like you would like to see in the Pendleton community now that you've been here a little while? Do you have any, you know, gosh, I really like it, but maybe there could be some more of this or, (laughs) um I mean that's that's a really good question I kind of like have to think about it for a little bit because there are definitely things that I love they kind of immediately come to mind um there's a real sense of community here it's immediately what we noticed when we moved here uh I love the farmer's market already so nothing I could change there (laughs) (laughs) um but I do wish that there were maybe some more um city city trails or um yeah I could trying to think of like like municipal small hiking trails of sorts. Um, like we had a lot of that when we lived in Colorado. Mm. Um, even a, a quite a bit of accessible trails 
right in the area when we lived in Arizona too. Um, and we do enjoy the trails that are up by the airport. I think they're oh, the adventure trails. The, yeah, the adventure yeah. trails that are up there. We do enjoy those, but gosh, I'd really love if there was something other than like the bike trail or the the walking trail on the river. Sure. Um, that was a little bit more of a step outside of your door and even though you're really close to town be able to feel like you're outside I think that would that would definitely be enjoyable yeah yeah, yeah I get that <laughs> I was going to mention the adventure trails if you weren't familiar but that's cool <laughs> that you guys do that and the river walk um yeah it's got its ups and downs for, for sure <laughs> I guess is one way I'd put it but it's uh it is nice to be able to to go up and down right alongside the river there and but yeah, I think you definitely, if you're going to try to really feel like you're out there in nature, you got to drive a little bit. You do. Yeah. And I think that's most activities in the area, just mm -hmm. being a rural community. Um, but okay. So you're, it's a Tuesday and you're sitting at work, just waiting for that weekend where you guys get to go hit the trail and capture that moment. Mm -hmm. What is, what is in your mind? Do you look forward to what's that thing that you're like, okay, that's what I'm so excited for. Hmm. Is it one thing? <laughs> I feel like it's multiple things. Yeah, it's like I multiple. yeah, and it, it it's also like there's certain things that I'm excited for first that morphs into other things. Like, I think first off, I, I guess for me personally, I am the most excited to have like the car fully packed and finally be leaving like either on, on that Friday night or Saturday morning. I love that like just you know pulling onto the road and and getting going feeling. Um, but then. Once we are there, I'm probably really looking forward to like setting up camp that night and being cozy. I'm a real sucker for like cozy camp vibes. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that is something I love. We have a hammock that we like to put up. Um, be it if we're backcountry camping, backpacking, or if we're you know at an actual paid site for the night, we like to kind of relax at camp sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, Gosh, the food. I feel like I, like, if I'm going to physically exert myself, I better be able to gorge myself on, like, my favorite candy bar or <laughs> yeah. my current favorite hiker food obsession. Um, honestly, I eat, I, like, I hike to snack. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> you don't Every, feel bad yeah. about it on the trail days, huh? Right. No, seriously. I'm like, oh, I did, you know, 10 miles today. I'm going to get myself a pizza tonight. Like, <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. Um, I think those are those are some of the things that, that I personally am the most excited for. And obviously getting the creator high um, when you're either filming or we just get a really good sunset or something that we're so excited to photograph that creator high feeling when mm -hmm. you just know that you are making content that you are so excited to get home and start editing um yeah i enjoy that what are what are your favorite things well i'm gonna geek out a little bit <laughs> one <laughs> of my favorite things is since i forecast the weather for quite a lot of eastern oregon i love to go see new places that i forecast for so even if just driving <laughs> nice. on the road just the journey mm -hmm. is really half the fun for me yeah that's awesome well so you can say you enjoy what you do oh yeah i love it that's awesome man good for you uh and i guess uh, i was gonna ask this earlier but as far as planning for the trips on the weekend i'm assuming you're doing the weather forecasting <laughs> he is yes yeah <laughs> safe to say i'm doing the weather forecasting <laughs> how often do you feel like you miss the mark on that um more often than I'd like to. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not always missing the mark. Sometimes it's missing the comfort level of like, you know, how rainy is it going to be? Ah, we'll be fine. And, you know, 
yeah. drenched Everything for most of the trip. <laughs> we didn't pack for getting wet. Right. We have, yep. We, we've definitely been, like, cooking a camp meal somewhere on the side of a dirt road before huddling under an umbrella, like, <laughs> just trying to... Yeah. Trying to get some hot food in us. <laughs> yeah, and to, to go back to the food piece that you mentioned, Rachel. Mm. So uh, I remember my first, like, two-day backcountry trip. I didn't really give enough thought to, like, how much extra calories you burn. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, I was so hungry coming out of there. Just even after a couple days, you, you have no idea. But it was probably, like, 60 pounds on the back, you know, several miles in and out fly fishing all day and stuff. Yeah, it's it's nice to uh, to be able to bury the food and not feel bad about it for sure. It is. It's it's definitely great. <laughs> no food guilt there. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like go to typical camp cooking or trail meals or? We do. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely fans of some of the freeze dried brands just mm-hmm. because they're easy. Um, and I I think we we both like Mountain House quite a lot. Their mac and cheese probably a favorite um camden's not a big fan of spicy food but they have a buffalo chicken mac and cheese that i i would eat that on a day-to-day basis (laughs) if i could (laughs) um that one that one is very good other things i mean you really can't beat a tortilla with some peanut butter in it that's just an easy 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 (laughs) go-to yeah uh um Longer backpacking trips where you really want to cut weight, ramen bombs. Ramen bombs. Ramen bombs. Just ramen for your jet boil with some water kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's ramen of choice with uh, freeze-dried, like, instant mashed potatoes of choice. That's basically what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's going to keep you full. It's got a lot of carbs and a lot of sodium in it. Um, get some extra protein in there by adding, like, a chicken packet. Um, that to go to. I know it sounds gross. It really does. But <laughs> if you have backpacked like 13 or more miles, you get to your campsite, you're exhausted. That salty, warm meal is exactly what you want. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not healthy though. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't confuse it with healthy. <laughs> it's, it's not your daily user on the mm, Definitely <laughs> <routine>. not. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you, would you say you have like a favorite trip that you've been on in the area or is it hard to pick one? Do you have one? Probably the one that stands out most is last spring when we went over to the Hell's Canyon area. I think, did mm. we combine Hell's Canyon with... Uh, we went to a with, lookout. With the prairie. We did, yeah. So yeah. we went up to Buckhorn Overlook, mm-hmm. um, and then we were originally trying to... <laughs> get a little further but the weather was very much against us <laughs> it was it, rainy <laughs> so it, it was it was mid-june and very very cold and rainy for mid-june mm-hmm. so our yeah our trip kind of didn't go to plan but that was half the fun was mm-hmm. it, nothing went to plan we were yeah. amazed by a sunset out on the prairie north of joseph and nice and <clears throat> just stunning views over at the canyon yeah, so that's the one that stands out most to me. We were cold and wet, but it was so enjoyable and just it was a spontaneous trip. That was it was. Really worth it. I mean, nice. there was a break in the rain for a couple minutes and there was a rainbow over the canyon. And that was just absolutely stunning. I do believe that that was the trip, though, that we were cooking food on the side of the road <laughs> in the rain. Yes. That was that was the one <laughs> um, for me. Actually, I'm. 
this past year, I think my, my favorite one that we did was um, going up to Little Strawberry Lake and Strawberry Lake. Oh, yeah. Um, over there because it was it was summer. Um, and so it was hot. And the I think it was Little Strawberry Lake was just the perfect temperature for just a really quick dip. Um, and it was just absolutely gorgeous blue water. We were camped at the lower, larger Strawberry Lake, um, very peaceful campground, just easy backpack in, set up your tent. And then from there, you have a jumping off point to go to, um, you know, you can go to Little Strawberry, you can even go all the way up Strawberry Mountain, um, which which I've done before is was not on that trip, but beautiful, beautiful area. So I think that was one of my favorites that yeah. we did last year for me. Yeah. Hmm. I, I like that you threw the, how, how, far that one strayed from the plan and you still enjoyed it. <laughs> it happens a lot with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the more, the more backcountry and the more rugged you're going to make your trips, the more you have to expect, I guess. You do. You have yes. to be flexible and you just, you have to be sometimes willing to, to go with the flow, um, and make the most of what you can. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm the, the planner, to the T that uh, needs that reminder sometimes. So I'm glad that that stands out as a big trip for you. And it was not originally the plan. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, so you've got the photography and one thing I love about hiking is that it's kind of your ticket to doing a lot of other things too. Are there some things that you, um, some other stuff that you like to do with your, with hiking or some stuff that you're maybe interested in that you haven't dabbled in yet? Like outdoors recreation, yeah, just, just yeah. kind of hiking based. That kind of hiking based. Okay, yeah. Well, I for a little while got into climbing and especially bouldering, and I've been wanting to get back into that, um, which just involves some some hiking to get to like a location, um, but like a climbing location or a bouldering location. Been wanting to get into that. My bouldering pad is sitting in our garage begging to be used so hopefully this summer I can get out and do that more. Can you describe bouldering for me? Bouldering yeah so bouldering is um short like as in height wise climbing so usually it's a, a large boulder or a shorter rock face that you're really not going at least for me personally I wouldn't go more than 15 feet. Someone who is really into bouldering is probably laughing at me right now. <laughs> um, but it's just that. And then you have a bouldering pad or like a crash pad that is just real thick padded surface that you pack in and then mm. you land on. So the pad, my pad at least, folds up. I have a Black Diamond brand one. Uh, it folds up and it has two harnesses you can wear it like a backpack so you're able to just pack that in which mm. is really convenient and you use climbing shoes and chalk just like regular climbing except you don't have a harness um so you're not going very far up just because if you fall you want to make sure you're able to land on your crash pad and you're not falling that far how much does that pad weigh to pack in it's pretty light um it weighs maybe 10 pounds and is it self-inflating like an air pad to sleep in or how does that? So it's already, it's like a foam material. So oh, it's, it's already pretty thick. So it's not small. Like you're. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Uh, Do you yeah. have a small landing spot? <laughs> it's, gotta... uh, yeah. So imagine like if you were to pull a couch cushion off of your couch and like carry it on your back like a turtle. That is <laughs> kind of what it looks like. And then that unfolds to being a larger pad. And a lot of, a lot of friends that I have who boulder 
they usually go together and they put all of their pads together. So you have I a like larger, <laughs> yeah, you have a larger landing surface. You usually have someone spotting you. So you'll have maybe someone more experienced with you if you're just learning and they're spotting you. They're, they're helping you out. They're giving you some betas, climbers like to say, um, and, and helping you with your project also as climbers like to say. So hmm. when you have the desired route that you want to take to, complete the boulder or like top out that's usually called your project um so some things that i have picked up but i am not a climber i am not in any ways calling myself um a boulderer but it is really cool and there's quite a few people who are getting into wild bouldering um which is basically just let's say you're at a camp spot or you're out on a hike and you see a boulder and you're like that's that's a nice boulder. That's a nice slab of rock. I'm I'm just going to go for it. And you have your gear with you. Um, so people are getting into that. Yeah. I, I want to say it's called wild bouldering, but interesting fun things. Yeah. What's your take, are we going to find you halfway up a boulder? This You're week? never no, going to no. see me. No, <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. He is afraid of heights. Yeah. <laughs> he is afraid of heights, but I like, I don't know. I just love, loved climbing things when I was a kid. So it only makes sense, but <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, from from my perspective, which is knowing very little about climbing, you, you see like the Alex Honnolds and, and that yeah. kind of stuff and yeah. you think that's climbing. Well, I mean, there's lots of people that are not to that degree and that maybe still are interested in it. So that's really, that's really cool to hear about. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. Bouldering. Bouldering. Yeah. You gotta, gotta look it up. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, it's fun. And like I said, I'm in no way experienced, so feel free to laugh at me for words that I've used incorrectly. <laughs> well, I, you mentioned earlier that, you know, climbing and obviously from Colorado, that's probably pretty uh, prominent. Do you feel like our landscape would allow for that if people were interested and, and that's maybe just something that doesn't have an established community here? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think so. I've heard that there are um, a couple areas or I think one area for climbing closer to La Grande. I have heard about it. Um, I don't know <laughs> if, uh, how popular it is, but I think that we, we could have some areas, but then again, it's, we're very forested when you go into the mountains. Um, there's not that many free rock surfaces. And I think I was spoiled where I'm from in Arizona. We had a couple lakes that are just surrounded by these granite rock formations. Mm -hmm. Um, so granite in itself is already pretty grippy. So it was just very easy for beginners to get into climbing there. There were a lot of established routes. There were a lot of established bouldering areas. Um, and Arizona being a more arid climate, it just had more of those open and exposed and maintained rock surfaces, kind of what you think of when you go to Smith Rock, for example, Smith sure. Rock State Park down by Bend Redmond area. Um, but I do think there could be some spots here and some opportunities, but just depends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, um, places that people go to climb, are they like well-managed and maintained areas? Are they pretty wild, rugged spaces in general? Or what does that look like typically? I think it depends. Like when I think of like when we went down to Smith Rock, for example, they have like a couple pit toilets set up. They have well-maintained routes. Um, they have park rangers there they have first aid equipment there um 
also a lot of experienced people there. But then there's also some areas where you could, you know, look up reviews online and they'll say, oh, not really that maintained. Um, or you could have some falling rocks, which is definitely an issue. <laughs> you know, you, you should wear a helmet when you're climbing regardless. But, um, <laughs> and... Again, not a climber here, but I know there are different styles of climbing. Um, and so you have top rope climbing, you have trad climbing. And I, so I think it also depends on the style that, that you're using, um, hmm. depending on if it's an established route or if you're setting your own route. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple differences there. So I think if you're looking for something more rugged and rural, you could find it. And if you're looking for something more established, then I think you could definitely find that too. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I always wonder how people find what the thing is that makes them tick. Right. <laughs> and I think that's really, you know, interesting for climbers. I think hiking is probably a little less risky. And <laughs> It is. Yeah. And I will never be a major climber. Like you are, yeah. you are probably not going to find me doing any sort of like crazy routes <laughs> or anything like that, which is kind of why I got into bouldering. Cause I didn't need the ropes. I didn't need the harness. I didn't need a lot of the equipment. It was just kind of fun and I could get into gym climbing and stuff like that. But yeah. actual like real hardcore climbers, like, man, they, they really have my respect because totally. it, it takes a lot of research, time, effort, and money put into their gear to get like as skilled as they are with mm -hmm. climbing. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like, you know, a commonality amongst among uh, most, uh, among most outdoor, you know, recreation activities, I guess, is that there's the, this piece of like physical challenge. That's always a key component. Maybe not for everybody. I think it's okay to go bird watching leisurely, I guess, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, with you guys too hiking and backpacking, there's obviously a degree of some physical challenge and some, mm -hmm. some toughness. Does that go into like your thoughts on picking trails or any of that stuff as you go out or? Yeah. Especially when you're packing in, you know, six plus pounds of camera, camera gear. gear. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah, backpacking. You have to pick and choose where you go, uh, time spent, mm -hmm. um, picking just how far you go in a day. Yeah, it's it's important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think we'll have times when we're like, okay, what are we feeling for this trip? Are we wanting it to be more intense, more backpacking, or are we looking for more leisure? And sometimes we'll, we'll kind of go on that. Like if it's been a busy week and we just need to get out and have a reset, we're looking for more leisure. If we're kind of having a little bit of cabin fever going on, no matter what the season is, we're looking for more of an adventure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you've found, um, stuff to do in all seasons in the area outdoors wise? Now that we've gotten into a little bit of cross-country skiing and snowshoeing up in the blues, yeah, yeah. I would say so, because winter was the season that, prior to moving here, we really didn't do a whole lot of... No, we just went insane. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, I get uh, so antsy sitting in these short, cold days at home, so mm -hmm. um, yeah, this winter we you know got into the snowshoeing too for the first time, and I just love it. I'm all about it now, so... But tell me about cross-country skiing a little bit, too, and where do you guys like to go? We usually go up to the Tollgate area. So there's uh, Andy's Prairie Snow Park, which is right next to Horseshoe Prairie. Horseshoe Prairie has a lot of good trails for cross-country skiing. I believe it's managed by um, Blue Mountain Land Trust yeah, up there. Yeah, it is. There. The Blues yeah. Crew. Shout the out Blues, Blues Crew. crew. <laughs> yeah, shout out Blues Crew. Um and they maintain those trails, like, amazingly. They're great. They have an easy loop that's kind of in the Andes Prairie parking lot 
that if you're just getting into cross-country skiing, it is a perfect practice loop. Um, so that's a really enjoyable one. There's also the Mount Emily Trails, and that is um, Blue Mountain Nordic Club mm. up there. And I would say most of those trails are easy to intermediate. I think the, the main one um, that goes out is pretty easy other than there's one large hill that like I definitely take my skis off at <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a little little too big for me yeah um and that's just because cross-country skis I feel so much less in control than like normal alpine skis just because they're a lot longer and a lot narrower <laughs> yeah there's definitely a, a big difference in the motion and the, what you're trying to get accomplished right with the cross-country skis. there is yeah but it's such a good workout I mean it's it's a cardio workout it's a leg workout um and it's just a enjoyable because it's a quiet sport there's no you know there's no engine noise there's not much going on it's just kind of you and your skis and a nice snow dusted forest so yeah yeah and yeah that horseshoe prairie area is really beautiful and it is i i think that both snowshoeing and cross-country skiing are awesome they kind of have their pros and cons i, I like with snowshoeing that you can pretty much go anywhere and uh, even trudge through fresh snow and it's it's a lot easier going than I pictured before I started for sure. You guys enjoy that too though, right? We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. We got into snowshoeing last year and just, man, we've had some fun with it because it's gotten us access to areas that we normally wouldn't be able to get to in winter. Yeah. And that's something we really love. I'd say there's that and just like kind of we touched on earlier that for, for me and probably most people um, in the past, it's like you know, you get past holiday season and you kind of shut it down for two, three months while you wait for the world to thaw out and warm up. And right. <laughs> unless you're, unless you're into, uh, you know, chasing steelhead on the river in the cold or ice fishing, mm. th there's not a whole lot to bring you out there in the winter months. And so I feel like those activities kind of open that up, which is really nice. And yeah. I mean, I, I guess there's, you know, skiing and snowboarding, but mm -hmm. there's pretty limited places to go and the, the cost barrier and to entry with the gear and stuff's a little bit different for sure. Right. Yeah. The cost barrier and the gear issues. And I think to anyone wanting to, to get into like winter recreation, especially like cross country skiing, there are ways that you can rent skis or do like ski swaps. I know Blue Mountain Nordic Club does ski swaps and then they have a, I want to say they have a gear registry for people who are willing to, to share their gear if, if you want to try it out. Mm. Um, and so that's why I really love that out here it seems that we have opportunities to get into a winter recreation without breaking the bank because um, yeah resort fees and like alpine skiing and, and all of those they really can run up a a cost pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. I haven't dabbled in those sports, but I I've mm -hmm. only heard just this. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's quite a bit. And, and not to mention too, I mean, I feel like you could strap snowshoes on somebody and they could get around just fine. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think I can say the same for snowboarding. So <laughs> no, no, uh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I even took my parents or, um, they've, they've lived in Florida for many, many years now. And um, I took them snowshoeing when they came here and we got back to the parking lot. They had no idea that we went four miles. Um, and going into that, they were convinced that they wouldn't be able to do more than like a mile. Um, and so it, it's easy, it's enjoyable, it's fun. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's proof that it is doable, <laughs> even for <Yeah>. Floridians. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think something that's underrated is just that... Um, 
with with the hiking and snowshoeing type activities, you can really go at your own pace. It's not like hmm. um, a lot of other maybe intense sports where it's like you've got to be able to get this thing done to even make it work. Um, obviously, there's a variety of difficulties you can pick, but you can you can take your time and take breathers whenever you want to. And for me, it's the elevation changes where it really yeah. stacks up <laughs> on me. But. I know, seriously. <laughs> mm. Yeah, elevation changes are rough. Yeah. Especially since we're at around, what, 1,000, I think, is Pendleton? Yeah, right around 1,000, okay. I think, maybe slightly 1,100, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on what part of town you live in, but right, <laughs> right in there, yeah. 1,500 at the airport. Okay, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so, I guess, is there stuff you're looking forward to this spring that you're just really waiting for weather to change for, or, or you d- you're doing enough that it's one weekend at a time and there's always something to do? I think we're looking forward to spring, <laughs> or at least yeah. I am. I'm I'm ready for the thaw. <laughs> well, one of the areas we're looking to go, and we missed out on it last year, but we're looking to go down to the Steens area, hmm. uh, and then the Canyon Country, Oregon's Canyon Country. Yes. Describe that a little bit to us. Well, I've actually never been to Steens Mountain. Oh, so you can't. <laughs> You're so, not next to Okay. I can't describe yeah. it. Yeah. We'll, we we'll have bring it you in back. our heads. <laughs> we'll give a post report from you when you come back and see if it's exactly. worth going. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's one place we're wanting to get down to. Um, we've gotten uh, some new backpacking gear, so we're excited for backpacking season. Nice. Um, excited to, to get that going. Some ultralight gear to kind of uh, accommodate for the fact that we have heavy camera equipment. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So I guess for listeners that may not be familiar, I guess my thought with the gear is there's definitely, um, like most hobbies, you can spend as much or as little as you'd like to, but... Mm-hmm. With the uh, with the backpacking, you mentioned the word ultralight, so you're always trying to lighten the load, and that's sort of where the currency is in yep. in backpacking. Is less is more as far as weight goes, right? But the the trade off is that there's like an exponential increase in cost sometimes <laughs> as yeah, the weight comes down. Definitely true, and I would say to anyone out there who like they're really interested in getting into backpacking or just hiking in general, like don't be put off by the cost of things because when we first started out I mean I think I had a pair of hiking shoes from Walmart you know I mean we have taken years to build the library of gear that we have and to figure out exactly what we want Mm -hmm. and I think so long as you are getting out there and you have gear that is just keeping you safe that is all that matters um and eventually you can get the more expensive gear but don't worry about needing that you know right at first if it's over your budget don't worry about it just use what you have and get outside (laughs) yeah i agree that's that's well said and that's been my approach is that you know with gear it's the same way that i look at like hand tools and stuff which is if it's a new tool to me i'll start with uh, a fairly inexpensive piece and then if it if it breaks because it was so cheap or if i use it all the time that i wear it out then maybe I can, okay, it's, it's time to upgrade and spend a little money where, where it makes sense, but you didn't lose so much on that first piece of equipment that you're never going to use. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel the same way. I, you know, I've started with cheap foam pads and as time goes, you'll find, okay, well, gosh, it's really worth a good night's sleep. So maybe I can trade out this piece and I'll ask for this one for my birthday. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we have actual backpacking pillows now, for example, but we used to just shove some clothes in a stuff sack and call it good. So you definitely evolve <laughs> as yeah. you yeah. as or, you get more into And the time sport. will tell, yeah, what what's worth spending more money on or what you really use a lot of. 
Exactly. Because I feel the same way. I, I know, um, you know, when I first started going, I just started putting together, you guys probably do this pack lists, right? Do you have mm-hmm. pack lists before you go? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not the only one that nerds out over those, nope, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I started going down that list and going, oh boy, don't have, don't have, don't have, you know, and if you, if you've never gone before and all of a sudden you're going to go backpacking for five days, <laughs> that's going to sting you a little bit if you think you need to have the top rated, you know, gear for everything. So Exactly. Yeah. I would start with like looking at what the 10 essentials are for hiking and backpacking um, and then going from there with like, okay, what do I have from this list and what could I purchase from this list that is like in my budget, um, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And that's the 10 essentials as in like just making sure you have, um, you know, shelter, sleep system, food, first aid, kind of in that realm of of supplies. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe I shouldn't say this as a retailer, but, you know, borrow if, as needed from people. <laughs> 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 oh, that's true. That's true. I mean, we yeah. have definitely done that over the years as well. And now we're the people that have the things that people are like, can I, can I maybe borrow that? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. You can start with very little. You My can. best friend started with just a pair of uh, just tennis shoes mm-hmm. and his dad's little army bag that yep. stuffed everything <laughs> in. We went backpacking and of course, my brother and I had a little bit more, mainly my brother, for some of the 10 essentials. But yeah. just combined, we all kind of had enough, and we were able to make do Yeah, with seemingly very little. You know, we spent next to no money on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting out there and having the experiences. I mean, when I first was camping in Arizona, I even did, like, some, like, cowboy camping. I think one of the first backpacking trips I did in Arizona I didn't I didn't even have a tent (laughs) I just I just had a sleeping pad and my sleeping bag and so did my friends so we were all like huddled together in our little like (laughs) uh, a little campsite but it was just it was what worked and it was it was easy we shared cook systems so like maybe one person brought something to cook with and then you know other people brought food or before I had a cook system, it was what summer sausage, um, Cliff bars, <laughs> <laughs> things that won't go bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the group stuff. Yeah, that's another good point. Is when you're sharing the loads, then you can you know either go lighter or or have maybe nicer meals and stuff because you can afford to stock up on maybe some fresh fruit or some produce to throw in with dinners and stuff. But oh yeah. Yeah. I guess one more thought I I will throw out there on the gear side is Mm -hmm. something you guys probably think about and look at is like warranty and repairs and stuff. And Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, what's the reputation of this brand as far as their, their repair team and Mm -hmm. do they stand by, you know, the products that they're putting those prices on. And sometimes I think that's a big factor in the price is just the, the willingness and ability to repair and replace stuff for you. Have you had experience with a lot of having to return stuff yet or? Um, we haven't really had to return much of our hiking and backpacking gear. I know Camden has had to do some returns on like camera equipment gear. <laughs> oh, really? Well, not um, the expensive stuff. Not, stuff yeah. like screen protectors, just the little, little, stuff. <laughs> little things. But, um, with, when, with like major hiking gear, we haven't really had that, but we do factor it into when we purchase things. Um, like I know if you buy something from, a larger retailer that just carries that brand, usually either that retailer will have a return policy, but you should also look into if the brand itself has a warranty. Mm -hmm. Um, Because usually 
if something broke and you're like, oh, this product has a warranty and you call, you know, let's say the large retailer that you purchased it from, um, they might be like, oh, well, if we don't deal with that, you have to call the actual brand. So things like that to keep in mind is see what the actual brand's policy is. <clears throat> and a lot of them are are pretty good. Um, like I know Big Agnes is, is they have a pretty good one. Um, and I'm trying to think of some others that I've had experience with, but not, not really. Cause I guess I haven't had many products <laughs> That's for good. rake, but Get good stuff to start with and you're not too beating it up too bad. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so I guess for me personally, fly fishing gear is the first one that comes to mind. And mm -hmm. my, my buddy Dylan, who's also the shop manager for our store, um, he had, I think, three fly rods break last year. Oh. Just Some of it was uh, just bad luck and timing. Some of it was just used stuff. I mean, we were fishing in some icy conditions, and mm -hmm. um, that probably stiffened some up. But the Reddington does such a good job with their returns and repairs that I didn't feel bad when I went fishing with Dylan for his birthday, and I picked the fly rod up out of the water, and it snapped in half. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, uh, anyway, quick yeah. fix, easy deal. Good. Yeah. Uh, good. No, that's, that's really good when they have, like, yeah, a way to be able to send it in, get it fixed, or get a new product. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that shows that the brand believes in their product, and I think that's important. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I guess aside from the gear, what are some other things that you feel like are important to share with somebody who maybe hasn't spent their life in the outdoors but would like to? Hmm. What are, it's hard for you probably, for, since you've been doing it all your life, to think, <laughs> oh, if I was just getting started, oh. what do you, I mean immediately leave no trace comes to mind but yeah. i'll let Rachel thank you yeah let's, let's okay. talk about that a little bit <laughs> sure yeah well so leave no trace ethics are kind of built on the idea that you should leave wild spaces as you found them um and so that means packing out your trash and that does include food scraps like orange peels or banana peels um those actually take longer to degrade in natural environments that you'd think they would um so those are something to keep in mind of just being educated on how to follow leave no trace principles, which is a good thing. Um, staying on trails, or at least if you're if you're going off trail, because there are certain places that you can get to by going off trail. Um, just make sure you're not doing it in a fragile area. So fragile areas being alpine tundra environments or in the southwest, you have biological soil crusts, um, which are basically living soils, um, which is really, really cool. And if you step on these biological soil crusts, some of them, the really mature ones, can take hundreds of years to recover from that. Interesting. Um, yeah, so staying on trail in some areas is really, really important. Um, and then you have other things like just making sure you're not removing something from a natural environment um, and you're respecting animals in terms of like keeping safe distances from animals i'm thinking about all those tourists in yellowstone they get <laughs> <laughs> too close to the bison <laughs> uh, yeah um, I, th I feel like that's a strange mix of like a tourism attraction that's actually still pretty wild environment so people might look at that a little different than they would a lot of right other yeah wild scenarios but definitely definitely and i think being educated on how to recreate responsibly is also safe for you. Um, it keeps you a little safer outdoors. Um, so I think that's something if you're just starting out, look up, leave no trace. Um, just keep those principles in mind when, when you're outdoors. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things that immediately come to mind. 
Yeah, I think mm-hmm. just um, in my mind, there's safety stuff of just safety sharing yeah. with you know people who aren't going with you. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're going and maybe what time you're expected to be back or that kind of stuff. Just right. having a friend. And I guess, you know, the Garmin's is probably a conversation with another time to, to dive deeper into. <laughs> sure, but, sure, yeah. But I swear by the InReach too. And, and is that stuff you guys use? or We do. We, well, yeah. we have an InReach Mini um, is, mm. is what we have. And we've loved it because um, we're able to communicate with family or friends because um, they have some text plans. Um, that you can use and so it's it's that but you can also download topo maps um, yeah and stuff like that so like there have been times when we're curious how much farther we have in a trail or if we're trying to make sure that we took the right junction um, that that in reach has definitely come in handy and Another like safety related thing too is I think if you're obviously we're on Instagram, we love Instagram, it's a photo sharing app, but if you see somewhere on Instagram that you really want to go, um, don't just take the name from the app and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go there and just put it into Google maps and go, um, do some research, you know, research the area, research that exact trail or that hike or that viewpoint that you want to get to and just make sure you're prepared. Check out, you know, the weather before you go there, the current conditions before you go there. Um, just make sure that you can get there on what an easy, a moderate trail. Is it a hard trail? Um, just stuff like that of being well educated about what you're getting yourself into before you go. Um, I think is also something really important. Mm -hmm. And I guess something else for beginners that I think I would say is don't let the intimidation of like, wow, these people are like really experienced when you're thinking about like other hikers or you're trying to ask experienced people questions and stuff like that. Um, Don't get intimidated and then think that you can't do it because there was definitely a point when, I mean, I grew up in Florida. I had never seen a mountain before (laughs) ever. (laughs) And um moved to Arizona and I I mean the tallest mountains I had seen were definitely under 10,000 feet easily <laughs> um, and so when you move to Arizona the the tallest peak there is Mount Humphreys and it is 12,633 feet uh, I have it memorized because it's my favorite <laughs> mountain <laughs> um, and it is my favorite mountain that, you know now but when we first moved there I was terrified I looked at that mountain and I thought to myself people who climb that are crazy absolutely <laughs> insane um and then at one point I found myself standing at the summit of that mountain and just absolutely in love with with hiking and so you can do it is basically the message yeah. <laughs> that I'm trying to portray is if you're scared, if you're intimidated, make sure you're well prepared, do your research, but then get out there and actually do it. Just get yourself out there. Totally. Enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There's a, there's a dance to be done between, you know, trying to go get into a wild space and then what your physical and comfort level is. So I guess just being aware of that, but also like realizing that, it's uh, it might be tough a little bit, and that's okay. That's part of the experience. So, yeah, 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 you're you're gonna suffer, but it's fine. <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> suffer, but you'll love it. And I think that's my favorite thing about some of like the best hiking trips I've ever been on. I'm looking back on them with like rose-colored glasses, right? Yeah. Um, because there were moments that I was totally suffering on those trips and thinking, oh my gosh, why, <laughs> you know, how did I get myself into this? I'm being eaten alive by, you know, mosquitoes or <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's always something on the trip. And then, of course, two weeks post-trip, I'm so sad. I'm like, man, 
I really miss that trip. I'd I'd rather be there right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. There's so many of those moments that seem so tough in the at the time and then you realize, man, it's it's gonna be a long time before I can get back to this position and it's it's never gonna be quite perfect. I guess I gotta eat that to a certain degree too and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess since we talked about Garmin's, I will mention mm-hmm. real quick. We haven't um, stocked them in the store yet, but we are authorized dealers for Garmin. Sweet. And their gear, much like you know many other brands, is price fixed by the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to mention that because I feel like one stigma maybe with small businesses is that people think you just can't compete on price. Mm. It's, oh, I'd love to go support my mom and pop, but I'm going to have to pay so much more than if I just got online. And sometimes that is the case, but with a lot of the outdoor space and the gear we have, including Garmin's, um, we can get the same price that anybody else can. And so um, if you're you're local and that's a product you're looking for, let us know. Yeah, that's really good to know. And I guess also for, for locals thinking about small businesses and, and wanting to support Pendleton Outfitters, some of the best advice I have ever gotten is from the small local stores. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, you know, we definitely want to give the products and information to our local community, but also I think that's something that's underrated for, for our town and just for any area, whether it's fly fishing or hunting or some stuff, um, stop in with the local shop, get the scoop and maybe support them if you're going to yeah. rely on their advice to go hit <laughs> right. a certain hole and go slam a few steelhead. But. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't be that person that goes in and says, oh, I'm going to go buy this online now. Thank you. Yeah, like, oh, no, I just no, checked. No. It's five bucks off on <laughs> Yeah. I won't even say the website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, any other stories or anything we can throw, wrap this up here? Or? Oh, gosh. I don't just, know. I mean, it's endless. We could do it for days, I know. Yeah, I know. We could we could talk about the outdoors for days. But, um, yeah, I guess just wrap it up. We're really excited to be in Oregon in this part of the state really loving it so far and enjoying becoming a a part of the community and all the places to explore. I guess if you have, you know, recommendations for us, if you're like, oh, I bet they'd love this spot, shoot us a message on Instagram. We'll respond. We're happy to always talk to people. Also, if you're a local in the area and you want some hiking buddies, we'll be friends too. Let us know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, (laughs) thanks for your time, guys. I hope we get to talk again soon. And I really thank you for coming down and doing this. So of course we're happy to be here. <laughs> awesome.